Welcome back to the Irish Bear Show. We're joined by a virtual room full of lots and lots of people today. Um, so again, I'm Tony, uh, back in the host here this week, uh, joined by my usual co-host, uh, and Noel, Kieran and Scott. Uh, and we're also joined by uh, Ryan and uh, Matt uh, on the show as well. The Lions from the Roar of the Lions UK Twitter page. How are you guys doing today? Yeah, really great. Thank you for having us on. Really appreciate your time. Yeah, good. Thanks. Appreciate you having us on the show. Look forward to talking about the matchup this weekend. Superb, superb. Uh, Noel, Kieran, Scott, how are things? Are we any more depressed after last week? Are we feeling a bit better? New week, new optimism, Tony. Let's go there. <laughs> yeah, no. You know me, I tried to stay optimistic. You know? <laughs> yeah, de- definitely not me anyway. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough one today, but we'll, we'll see how we go. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. Obviously, we're going into this game. We've got two teams who are, you know, not great at the minute. Um, so it's it's going to be interesting to see which which way this one goes. Um, Matt, I'll come at you first. I just want to, to kind of ask you just off the back of last week's game uh, to Baltimore. I have to ask how do you, how does it feel with that last minute? Game winner, man. I mean, it's it's never nice when the last minute game winners are on the op- opposing team. But um, but how did you feel about how the game went in general last week? Oh, I mean, that moment, gutting. But the whole game, I don't know. It was a weird mix. I felt lucky to be in the game because there were several big drops over the top. Cornerbacks, you know, just burned. But you know, they couldn't come down with the play. Marquis Brown had an absolute shocker and really kept us in the game. But apart from that, I mean, people always talk about Lamar Jackson and him being one of the elite running quarterbacks in this league. And you know how much of a game breaker that can be. And barring one 30-yard run, we held him in check. I mean, if you looked at what we said in order to, you know, this is the only way we can win the game. We absolutely hit the nail on the head with those things. We have our two starting corners or two of our three best corners out injured. So we already know our secondary sucks, right? So you're going to burn us over the top. That's probably going to happen. We're starting two UDFAs in the corners. So except that's going to happen. Stop Lamar Jackson running the ball and you give yourself a chance. And we absolutely did that. So you know what? It felt sore for a couple of days. But I look back at it now thinking those guys can get to the AFC Championship game. And we have them bang to rights up till 20 seconds to go. It's, It's got to feel pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're you're at this point where you're quite early on in the season where, you know, things can go um, either way. Um, I think teams are still finding their feet at the minute. um, And and that definitely shows with some of the the results that we've we've seen. Um, Obviously, talking about you know how we could possibly burn your 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 defense over the top. I think that entirely depends on on uh, the Bears' quarterback situation. We've heard we heard today that Nagy effectively doesn't know who's going to be starting uh, on Sunday um, at quarterback. It's what they call a game time decision. Um, for me, I don't think Dalton is going to be fit enough. Um, but we'll, we'll kind of wait and see what happens with that. Kieran, I'll, I'll come to you on that one. Um, what are your thoughts on the kind of naggy presser today, or really just the naggy pressers in the last week? For me, they've been entirely frustrating. 
Um, but um, it's kind of what we've come to expect with um, with Matt Nagy recently. Yeah, it's the same old shit from Matt Nagy, really. Like it's, I I was put out a tweet today on on the pages show, um, and literally, I I just feel dumber every single time I listen to Matt Nagy because it makes no sense what he comes out with, like absolutely none. Where I think the mo- the smartest thing that he probably said today was that a quarterback needs his hand. That's it. That's that's about it. Like at the end of the day, it, it doesn't make any footballing sense. And like we we had Yurko on the show, what was it, two days ago now? And I've been listening to a lot, and he's not a creative coach. And he got asked a question. I think it was on Wednesday, I, I believe, about who's going to be the play caller. He spoke for four minutes and 10 seconds and didn't answer that question. That's exactly what he is like. It's many people say it's kind of word salad. I call it like he's a complete spoofer. He's a waffler. He doesn't answer any sort of question. I feel like when he doesn't know the answer to the question, he talks more than when he actually knows the answer to a question. When he knows the answer to the question, he finishes his answer in about two minutes. So I'm I'm not too sure what's actually going on. Yeah, I think um, you're, you're, you're kind of spot on. You know, it is a total word salad. We have no idea what to make of anything he's telling us. Um, in regards to the play calling, for me, the way it came across, it's almost as if that because he hasn't explicitly said, I'm going to be handling the play calls, that the likelihood is he's probably handing them off to Bill Lazor. Um, Noel, I'll come to you on this one. Do you think handing off the play calling then to Bill Lazor is going to make a huge difference if we consider what we seen last year when Laser took over um, in week 10 uh, in that Vikings game. We did see the offense um, average points increase from, I think it was about 19 points per game when Nagy up till about 25 or 26 after Laser took over. Um, so I wonder, what, what do you think? Do you think we're going to see an uptick again? Or do you think we're kind of doomed for failure for the rest of the year? No. To be honest with you, Tony, it, it can't get any worse right now. I mean, some of the play calls have been embarrassing. The the stats for the offense are they're beyond terrible. Like, so I mean, if Laser does come in and take it over, you're not losing anything. So you know, there's no fear there. The problem is, I mean, Nagy's still the head coach, and he's still going to be involved in the scheme. So you know, you don't know what way that's going to work there. But what I will say is. In that short sample size we had last season, Bill Lazor at least looked like he knew how to call the right plays and get into the flow of the game. Whereas Nagy just, I don't know. I mean, we've we've been watching Nagy for a while now and he just doesn't seem to be able to get the right flow going. And what he ends up doing is one or two bad plays and suddenly he abandons the run and that's it, it's gone. And I mean, he just doesn't. And once he panics like that, that seems to be it then. He, He just can't seem to pull himself back in. So, look, at the end of the day, I would love to see Laser come in and take it just for the simple fact that what's happening now is not working. And what he can do can't get any worse than what we've been watching. I mean, there's big questions, though, for me on Nagy. If he hands off the play call and again within, what, six or seven games since he last handed it off, maybe a little bit more, I mean, he's done. Like, what's what's the point? How, how do you fire yourself twice as, as the play caller within... You know, ten games of 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 doing it. It's 
the whole thing is a mess at the moment. So I say let Laser have it and see if he can he can use fields and the guys there more with what they're built to do rather than Nagy and whatever the hell he was trying to do. No, I got to disagree slightly with you. Um, you know, when Bill Lazor took over as offensive coordinator last year, it's not like he called the right plays. All he did was simplify the offense. And he simplified he the offense. He called better plays. We, he called plays that made sense at the time. Actually, that's not really what it was. It was he called the plays that Mitch Trubisky liked to run. That was it. There were about eight to ten plays that he called. If you look, if you look at all those games, he only he only threw about, well, yeah, about eight to ten plays out there. It was the same thing over and over and over again. So will Laser simplify the offense for Justin Fields? Maybe. But I think what he's going to do is he's going to have more protections, ways to get Fields out on the run, ways if that that is if Fields uh, if Fields plays this week. And I'm going to say this: if the offensive line of the Bears is what it is, and let's just and let's face it, they're not good. It, it, like that's the best way to put it. They're not good. So if the Bears line is what it is, then you're going to have to do everything possible to put either fields on the run or if Dalton ends up playing, and to tell you the truth, I would probably rather have Andy Dalton play behind this offensive line than Justin Fields. And the only reason is he's played behind really poor lines before and still done at least mediocre. I'd rather have that. Than somebody than throwing somebody to the wolves and getting them hurt, and then we'd have truly the possibility of seeing Nick Foles be the starting quarterback uh, for the Bears at any point this season. You tell me. Yeah, I mean, for, for me, I, I really don't see um, you know anything changing in terms of the quarterback situation in terms of Nick Foles. I don't think we're we're we're, we're ever going to see him play unless there's some sort of disastrous situation in terms of injuries, um, and. Um, you know, as I say, I think at the moment, with everything that's going on, they're trying to play this kind of um, game where they're trying to mask things and not tell the Lions what they're going to do. So the Lions don't know if we're going to be playing Dalton or Fields. They don't know if we're going to be uh, running my, my kind of uh, playbook. or well, Obviously, it's all the same playbook, but how the, the game is called is very different between uh, the two guys. Um, I think I do agree with Noel in the sense that, you know, the, you have seen uh, improvements in the offense when Laser took over because he, he did simplify it. And I think sometimes that's one of Nagy's downfalls is trying to overcomplicate things. You know, he overcomplicates his system. He overcomplicates his playbook. He overcomplicates his um, pressers. You know, everything that goes on is is just a, an absolute riot. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, we'll, we'll wait and see um, on Sunday who's going to start. For me, I think Fields is going to start. Um, and I think it's likely that, that Laser's taken over the play call. And you know what? You've got to try different things. You can't keep doing the same thing and hoping to get different results. That's just the definition of insanity. But we'll move on uh, slightly. And Ryan, I wanted to, to come to you on this one um, just to talk to you about the Lions in terms of um, your new head coach, Dan Campbell. Um, for me, he kind of comes across as quite a kind of a rah-rah motivator kind of guy a players coach, um, very passionate. You know, we spoke offline about the about the the introductory press conference when kneecaps are getting bitten off and ripped off and torn off, and you know those kneecaps, man, they're just taking a right a 
<laughs> a right hammering. So, um, what 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 are your thoughts on on Dan Campbell so far? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Dan Campbell. Like, I love the fact that, like, say, he's this ex-player. He's super motivated. He's pumped up. Like, say, he's he's loud. He's passionate. His emotion, but so far he's followed up on these promises. He said we're going to bite kneecaps. I don't remember a Lions defense averaging three plus sacks through the first three weeks of the season for a number of years now. Like he has got this defensive coordinator in. They're sending three. They're sending four. We're blitzing. We're using Dan. We're using like we're doing what Dan Campbell said. We're going to use our strengths. We're going to win games in the trenches. He wants to play dirty smash mouth football. He wants to run up the middle when he can. He wants to bring pressure. He wants to help an offensive line collapse. And he is just delivering on those promises. He's super aggressive. We're going for all the fourth downs we can get. Like we, are, we have got pretty good percentage so far of converting. He trusts the guys that are there. They're playing for him. They've bought into this scheme. And I think everyone is really doing best. And I think so far, he's, he's silencing some of the critics. He came off a bit of a clown when he came in. Remember when they had the... Uh, the bike helmet on because the Grand Prix was in Detroit. Everyone thought it was a bit silly, but no, like I say, he's he's a likable guy because he's down to earth. He's up front as well. It's nice to see a bit of honesty and transparency where he said, Jamie Campbell, I mean, uh, Jamie Collins, he isn't staying here. We don't want him to be here. He's not playing to this level. He wants to move on. So we're going to look to trade him. If you want him, come get him. People have said that we diminished his trade value, but we didn't. We just found out that it wasn't up to level. Dan Campbell saw that and he addressed it and said, he needs to stay at home. We're not going to have him here because he don't fit and he's not in the right mind space. And before that, we've been lighter. So right now we know where we stand. And I think through three games and three losses, I'm very content with what I've seen. I like, I like the, the roster he's brought together and the coaching staff. A lot of like, he's brought together like these strays, like all these ex-players and he's like trying to make me into a family. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you're, you're spot on in terms of you know his character is definitely definitely out there. And you've gone from a guy in Matt Patricia, where that's a, a whole other thing there, um, to jobs of Dan Campbell. So you, two big, well, one's definitely a big personality. The other guy, you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on on him, but. Um, Again, a difficult kind of guy, maybe. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Matt, what, what about yourself in terms of um, Gamble then? Um, improvement from Patricia, I take it, yeah? Massive improvement. Um, I think, you know, Patricia comes from that sort of tree of Patriots coaches, authoritarian. You know, he, he installed a hill at the back of the, the training complex so that they could just deliberately make it harder for them with, with no tangible kind of way that that's actually improving the team. That's the sort of guy that he is. And he shipped out the majority of our high-quality players in favour of people who would fall in line. Whereas Campbell does not have a problem with, let's say, a, a flair or flamboyant player. But they can't act out egregiously. It's just he's a bit more tolerant of what's going on. At the core of this team... He says he wants his team to have fun while they're playing. And I mean, I know that's a bit of a cliche and it's something which, you know, when it comes down to it, isn't that important, really. But at the end of the day, if it helps you play as a team, the biggest problem that this Detroit Lions team has had since I've been supporting the team for the last 13 years is that 
it has never played greater than the sum of its parts. Even when Sue and Fairley and DeAndre Levy and whatever on this defense quite early on in my fandom, it didn't play bigger than the sum of its parts. It's just its parts were pretty good at the time, so the defense was okay. But this is the first time that I can look at our team and think, okay, they're not that great, but they're playing better than that. And I don't know, I'm kind of taken aback by it. I'm not used to it. I, this defensive line doesn't have the big names on it, bar Michael Brockers, who, you know, is Aaron Donald's younger brother on that Rams D-line. But barring that, you know, this D-line is having great success. It's shut down the run. It's managed to blitz well. As, as Ryan said, it's got a good number of sacks so far. Romeo Aquara, the only guy we basically paid in the offseason, has as num- the same number of pressures as Miles Garrett does so far this year like it's working at least to some extent so i'm seeing the positives with all the dead cap we have the good stuff is to come down the road for now we've got to consolidate find out who our good players are and cut the crap and that's exactly what he's done yeah i've got to say the the one thing or what i've got to say about Dan Campbell is that dude is just highly caffeinated. <laughs> dude just likes his coffee. Like I heard his his coffee order. I think during the summer, and I was like, "Holy shit, this dude likes to drink a lot of coffee." I think most normal humans would die by drinking that amount every single day. So it's no surprise that he he came in in that first press conference and he wants to bite kneecaps because he's had too much coffee. He doesn't know what he wants. That's that's the biggest problem with it. But look, it's. It's interesting to to look at it as a Bears fan because you constantly look at the Lions and you see it. They usually do have, when you look at the talent pool, probably the the worst in the division most of the time. And it's the first time as a Bears fan that you can kind of look at them and be like, they're actually playing as a team because most of the time they're not doing that. And the problem that I think they're going to have is that they do have a fairly weak roster overall when you do compare it to the rest of the league. And playing like this is all well and good early on, but when the losses stack up, that's when the problem actually happens. So if, let's say the Lions win one or two games and it's week 12 or week 13, there's going to be guys that are going to give up at that point in time because we have to remember that roughly about 60 to 70 percent of players are changed over from one season to the next and guys are going to start playing because they know that they are a free agent the next year and it's a tough situation the bears are in the exact same situation where a lot of these guys while they might be playing hard on defense right now they see what's coming towards the end of the season and if you're not like the bears could easily go on this run where if they lose to the Lions, could not win a game until maybe they play against Pittsburgh. And by that stage, guys will have quit on the team because that's normal what happens. So I think that's the biggest thing to look at as a Bears fan looking at the Lions and for Lions fans looking at it this year to see they've already kind of signaled out that Jamie Collins wasn't doing it for the team, so they cut him. There'll be other guys towards the end of the season that if the Lions do stack up a lot of losses, which to be fair is probably a bit expected when you look at the quality of the team. So it will tell you a lot about how good a a head coach can be. Because we've always said the one thing Matt Nagy, we gave him credit for is the teams in the last two seasons, like 
I don't know how last year they snuck into the playoffs, but like that was not a playoff team. The year before we were terrible, and yet the team still stuck together. And you didn't see this kind of terrible locker room, which you may see this year. I think we're probably past the part of where these guys are playing for the coach. I think they're just playing for each other now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see kind of what it's going to be like for both of these teams as we move on um, later on into the season, because I think there's definitely a possibility of where this first matchup, we may see a completely different two teams when the sides kind of meet each other later on in the season. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on there in terms in terms of the culture anyway. Um, and we can certainly see that the way that's kind of going in Chicago just now. But um, just a reminder, um, guys um, that are watching, um, if you get over onto YouTube, um, make sure you subscribe, like the page, get your comments in, most importantly as well. We do want to hear your feedback. We want to know what your thoughts are on the game. Get your predictions in just now. We'll have a look at them towards the end of the show. Um, also, if you've got any questions for the guys on the Bears, the Lions, the NFC North, the NFL, whatever it is, um, again, stick them in the chat and uh, we'll come back to them at the end of the show and um, and see what you've got. Um, the next thing I wanted to move on to, just again, in regards to the Lions, um, because it is... You know, there's been a lot of changes for you guys um, over the um, the last um, few months, um, and probably one of the most important changes has been that at quarterback, uh, Matt Stafford was you know such a he's part of the furniture of Detroit. You know, he'd been there so long, and you know, all of a sudden that's him that's him leaving. So, wanted to talk about um, you know golf coming in. Um, and, and kind of your feelings on that. Looking, if you compare the two quarterbacks in terms of their 2020 um, performances, they both kind of were there or thereabouts in terms of yards, just about 4,000 yards each. Um, you know, Stafford, 26 touchdowns, and I think it was 10 interceptions. Goff, 20 touchdowns, 13 interceptions. Obviously playing in very different teams as well. Um, so the first question I want to ask, and I'll Coming you Ryan on this what is in regards to Stafford. He's gone to the line, sorry, the, the LA Rams. He's lighting up there. Do you think that the Lions should have held out for more in the trade? Or do you think it was a fair trade that happened there? Uh, I think it was a fair trade. I don't think we could have got much more, to be perfectly honest. I think what the best thing about the trade was it was very amicable. It's not often that teams, you know, like leave on good terms with a player. We essentially like let him choose his own destination. Like he had these offers on the table. Apparently, like Carolina, we squashed it because he didn't want to go there. The likes of Denver, he wasn't interested. He showed interest in the Rams. They had a quarterback that they wanted to deal the other way to sweeten the deal, even though he was bringing all his own extra cap and uh, money. I think the trade worked as well as it could for both parties. We have this bridge quarterback, as it's put like, I think he stinks. He's, lead, he's, he's last in the league in air passing, yards 3.9. He's a check down merchant. I don't like him. He'll be gone soon, like a year or two, so I can live with it now. But I think Stafford isn't doing anything in LA that he didn't do with us. People just respect him more. Like Everyone just is like woken up, open eyes, like, oh my God, Stafford's really good now. He's always been really good, just no one saw it. So I think the trade worked best for both parties. I think it was time to move on. We gave him everything we could. 
like help-wise in some years. We couldn't get over the line. We couldn't win those playoff games. He eventually just, I think, frustration and tension grew. So when he asked finally for the trade, we just arrogantly agreed it and we got the best destination. And now this year coming up, two firsts, we can be big players in this draft. We've got tons of capital, tons of cap space. We can turn this around in two or three years. And that's because of this trade. We can make some big moves next year. And hopefully, like I say, Goff will have an average to good year. And we, we won't stink, like I say. So right now on paper, best of both parties. And it's worked out reasonably well, I'd say, so far. Uh, well, let, let me uh, let, let me try and clarify certain things here. Uh, first, Stafford wanted to go to L.A. because he wanted to be in the same city as his high school teammate, Clayton uh, Kershaw, who's with the Dodgers. So that's first. Second, uh, you know, Jared Goff was in an offense last season. Well, in the previous season, since he was uh, drafted by the Rams, he was in a pretty easy offense to run. It's it's. In terms of uh, the way that the plays are called, they're complicated. But if you look at just how they're, how everything moves and how everything runs, it is a, an easy offense to see what's going to be open, when it's going to be open, and how it's going to be open. And Goff still couldn't figure that out. Now he goes to Detroit, and I'm not saying that anybody is is a bad offensive coordinator or that, you know, I'm not saying anything about how the offense is run in Detroit, but it's not like he's setting the world on fire in Detroit in a tougher offense, probably to run because it's his first year. I don't like, I am more, I guess, worried about the, if I'm a bears fan, I'm more worried about Detroit's defense than I am Detroit's offense. Uh, as Matt mentioned earlier, Romeo Aguara is an excellent, excellent edge rusher. Uh, he mentioned, you know, he's the only guy with, with, well, as many pressures as Miles Garrett, and that is some, that's saying something. And when you're the offensive line of the uh, of the Chicago Bears, you have to worry about where he and Trey Flowers line up because do you trust uh, the tackles? I mean, Peters is a behemoth, but he's not quick. A Fetty can use his feet, but he doesn't have the lower body strength to really be able to anchor himself against either speed or against strength. So that's a problem. And then we all know that the interior uh, of the offensive line, uh, garbage. So that's where I think you have to worry. Am I worried about Nick Williams? No. Am I worried about Michael Brockers? Not necessarily. Am I worried more about Sam Mustafer trying to block any of those two if he, if he has to? Yes. He has struggled mightily. Cody Whitehair has struggled mightily. Uh, that's where you have to worry. Am I worried about the offense? No. Uh, about the Lions' offense? No. They have they have okay tackles. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I like DeAndre Swift. I liked uh, uh, Williams when he was with the Packers. But I'm not necessarily worried about that because I think the Bears' defense can hold up. I'm worried about how the Lions' defense stacks up against that offense. That's going to be a scary thing. Just to, yeah, I'll talk more about our defense in a minute. But just to return to Goff, um, Ryan said that he stinks, and that's absolutely true. And we all know that, right, intrinsically. So when he was at the Rams, 
and they were saying halfway through last season, oh, they might bench him, and they ended up doing that on the eve of the playoffs. And so there's no bigger indictment than doing that, right? And you're absolutely right that, you know, Scott, it is an incredibly easy offense to run in LA. He kind of dumbed it down for him. And he abandoned that to an extent compared to Goff's early years where he kind of went, oh, he's limited and he's a rookie, so we'll dumb it down even further. So it was a bit more expansive and Goff actually struggled with that. The thing is that even though Goff stinks in terms of like he's not going to give you tremendous production, he doesn't make a huge amount of mistakes if he's well protected. He just doesn't threaten you either massively. So there was one really bad interception in the San Francisco game first up. But other than that, He's not going to give you a boatload of interceptions. He's not going to give you a boatload of air yards either. But this offense is actually really easy to run. Anthony Lynn is a run-first kind of guy. And you know what? The only reason we've abandoned that in previous games is because sometimes we have got a bit behind the game. He needs to pass a little bit more. And he's proven that he can kind of do that. There's a couple of big passes to Cephas in there and Raymond's deep. The offense is a little bit more inventive because I don't think I've ever seen a screen pass before this year. But, you know, we've started to do that sort of thing. So, you know, we've come into the 20th century of, of football, maybe not the 21st yet, but we're getting there. Goff can run this offense okay. And he's proven that he can do a, a good half of football for like two halves of the, of the six that have been played so far. Can he get three quarters in one game? If we can get three quarters of good Jared Goff, we're going to be a threat in this game because no matter how good our defense is, we actually have to score points to win this game. And, you know, that that might be tough against this Bears defense. You can't count them out, especially when Eddie Goldman's going to play and Trey Flowers is not. So, you know, that's going to be tough. Um, but, you know, Goff is garbage, but he gives you a certain baseline level of play that you perhaps don't get from other backup quarterbacks. And that's the best I can say about him. Yeah, I mean, just just going back, I wanted to kind of stick on the Stafford trade just for just for a wee minute. And Kieran, I'll, I'll ask you uh, a question on this. We've been in the situation where uh, we're obviously trying to get rid of Nick Foles because you know I don't know why he's there, so we're trying to get rid of Nick Foles. Um, however, the Bears are doing right by Foles by allowing him to pick his destination. If he's not happy with it, then he's not going to get the move. So obviously the Lions were in that kind of situation as well. They were doing right by Matt Stafford by letting him pick his destination. But what I'm thinking is that they've maybe missed out here because fair enough, they got a couple of first-round picks back, which is great. However, you've got a couple of first-round picks back from the LA Rams, who I think are probably going to be one of the top four teams at the end of the season. So you're really looking at a low-end first-round pick here. If they'd been a bit more selfish... Um, would it have been a better idea for them to say, you know what, I'm just going to trade you to the, the Bears. I'm going to trade you to whoever. Um, a team that are maybe not going to do as well and get those higher first-round picks back. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I don't understand why the Bears, first of all, are trying to do right by Nick Foles. They owe him absolutely nothing. They paid him enough money to where if you want to trade him to Jacksonville, you trade him to Jacksonville. If you want to trade him to a CFL team it's who who cares <laughs> at the end of the day I, I never get that because <clears throat> players and teams 
always look out for themselves. So I never really understand it when it's different if you had a guy that's there and he's been with, with the club for, for numerous years. Right. I think that's a complete different, different situation. I think if with the fact that Foles is here for one year, got benched for Trubisky, if what, what do they own? No, nothing. And there, that's the difference between the Lions and Stafford. He's, he was there for so long. So you don't want to kind of piss off a guy that has been kind of your franchise the last couple of seasons, right? So it makes sense for, for what they did. But for most teams that would have been interested in Matt Stafford, you're giving up that amount because you feel like he's the final piece to get somewhere. So if the Bears traded for Matt Stafford, it would be a stupid thing to do because he's an injury ridden player which has had numerous back injuries over the last couple of seasons terrible offensive line he probably would have gotten killed in Chicago under Matt Nagy's offense he probably wouldn't have been able to move the ball anyway because we, we talk about how bad Jared Goff is Jesus imagine if he was in Matt Nagy's offense he wouldn't be able to do anything he wouldn't be running the ball they wouldn't be helping him out he, you, think, you think his throws are bad now he won't be throwing a pass maybe three yards in Matt Nagy's offense but I digress um to yeah they they probably could have got more if they even just waited and didn't kind of jump the gun because you've seen there's been multiple teams now that have like how how good would the Colts be with Matt Stafford like they gave up pretty much a first round pick for Carson Wentz like Carson Wentz has not been a, a good football player the last couple of seasons so it is it is interesting to to see how that happened. As a Bears fan, I'm delighted. It worked out very well. I know we have to play the Rams because we've played them the last couple of seasons. I don't believe we play them for a couple more years now. Um, unless somehow we randomly get put in in one of those two games that they make up every year that you have to play. But they're just trying to push this Rams and Bears rivalry down our throat. But um, the good thing is you get Stafford, who is a very talented quarterback out of the division. And the guy that comes in is a guy we faced multiple times. So we already know what to expect from Jared Goff. So it's not like there's going to be some surprise where the Packers and the Vikings haven't played the Rams as much as the Bears have in recent seasons. So I don't think the Bears will worry much about what Goff brings. I think, uh, like we've mentioned it kind of offline before, I think you look at guys like TJ Hawkinson where he can kind of match up against the Bears nickel corners and that's a problem. Um DeAndre Swift, yeah, he's I I like him good running back, but the Bears are if they can't be diverse in their running game, the Bears will be able to stop it. The reason why the Browns had success against the Bears last week was because after the Bears stopped their initial plan for running the football, they then adjusted, they did a couple of screen passes, got Kareem Hunt involved and then looked at what the Bears were doing and when the Bears weren't pinning their ears back to go after the quarterback you started to see some holes open up. If the Lions can't do things like that against the Bears, they're going to struggle to run the ball and that's what the Bears are going to they're going to force Jared Goff to have to throw the football. And the problem is if he does that, I can see one of those games where you do get two or three interceptions and maybe even one goes back for a touchdown you may see guys like Roquan Smith, Jalen Johnson, Eddie Jackson have a field day if they do get, if there's a couple of loose balls. We've seen it for the Rams, who had a very good offense over the last couple of seasons. 
but Jared Goff has been the problem. So I feel like the Bears' defense are probably licking their lips knowing that they're going up against Jared Goff. But like Scott said earlier, the biggest question is going to be these two offenses. Neither one of them are very good at scoring points. If that's the case and we don't, neither one of us believe that our offense has a good chance to hit 20 points, you look at the defenses. And for me, I just think the Bears are a notch above the Lions defense where I think that while I like the Lions defense, I think the Bears defense has the more are more capable of actually making of getting turnovers and converting them into points. Um, but yeah, that's that's pretty much what I think in terms of it. I think it's been a good off season for the Packers, Bears, and Vikings that Stafford's gone and that Jared Goff has come in. But it just depends when the Lions actually pull the trigger and go for that next quarterback. Do they do it this year? I'm not so sure. Maybe you have to wait a year or two before the perfect guy comes in. But right now, I think in terms of what the Lions and Bears were doing in terms of trading quarterbacks and how the Bears have wanted to trade foes, I never believe that you just have to do right by the player because if the player was out of contract and you wanted to bring him back in a team-friendly deal, they're not going to do that either. Like You do have to look out for yourselves. I completely understand though where the Lions are coming from. It's a guy that you drafted a guy that's been your franchise for so long. I think it, it, it definitely makes sense for why they wanted to accommodate Matt Stafford going to LA. You've got to remember that this is a, a Lions franchise burned by Barry Sanders, Megatron, you know, franchise legends who felt that it was in their best nature to retire, Give you know, early, very early, um, compared to how often, you know, guys of their stature retire. So, there's a desire from this fan base to do right by its players, especially given how the Fords have dealt with this in the past. And and our, our CEO, Rob Wood, you know, has some pretty big beef with Calvin Johnson, which is um, being played out in front of us all right now. But going to Stafford and, and the trade in general, it really depends on what you think is important and what you think the Lions are going to do in the next couple of years. And there's no doubt. You will never find a Lions fan who will argue, well, maybe you go to some of the Facebook but you know that's a cesspool of ethnic yeah. proportions. Uh, you will not find a sound Lions fan who will say, "Oh, our team is better now." Like that's not why we're here. But if you have a look at the Bears and the Lions, I think that at least on the Lions side of things, you will see that a lot of our fans regard our franchises as in similar positions. The win-loss record may not be similar, but the feeling of purgatory pre-Stafford leaving was kind of there with Stafford. We might get to the playoffs one in every four or five years. Um, and that's because he's the reason we're there in spite of the team. And, you know, the, the, the bears have that with their entire defense compared to everything else. And maybe Alan Robinson in the last few years. And what we've done is we've gone, Oh, let's have a look at what the dolphins have done over the past few years. Yes. We're going to be awful for a year, but out of that and out of trading a load of our assets, we can be a phoenix from the flames. And in terms of how much the trade and, and what the value is, there's several reported offers out there. The most famous one Ryan has mentioned is Carolina's eighth overall pick plus Teddy Bridgewater. And considering how Teddy is playing at the moment, that might have been a better trade. But it's a, it's a matter of what you think is worthwhile. Seven and eight might have been lovely. We could have had Sewell and Fields. That would have been really interesting. But as it is, we got Saul, 
And then we have two first round picks, which might be low, as Tony has said. It's the Rams. They might be 29th overall in both years or something like 29th and 30 seconds. Okay. But where the Lions are going to be, they could be picking top five both years. That and 29th or 32nd overall pick might be enough to go to number one in either year. So let's see how the college season goes this year. Let's see how it goes next year. Do you want to take a quarterback number one? We can do it either year. That's what Stafford has bought us. And he's bought us that on a cheap deal. And with all of this dead cap that we're accumulating this year, we get that anew next year. And there's a couple of other contracts we need to get rid of next season. Well, they're going to be gone in 2023. So my perfect timeline is 2022. Goff is still here. $30 million cap hit. No cap saving if we cut him. So let's just play him. It's going to be okay. It's not going to be fun with Goff. It's going to be all right. But we'll build and we'll build. Goff is then cut the season afterwards. We trade for what well, we get our quarterback. We could be first overall and have that Rams pick. You never know. And suddenly we've got $60 million of cap space. We've got a quarterback on, I don't know, $5 million a year or whatever it is for a first round pick for four years, plus the option. We've decided to go low to come back high, but you're in the Jeff Fisher Rams position of going, where are we going here? And I kind of feel like the Bears have to decide that that they're going to be great because at the moment, I don't see where it's going. And it it angers me so much because this defense is so good and it's been so good for so long. We know know where it's going. We know where it's going. Uh, Seriously, like if if Matt Nagy continues to call the plays, this team is going nowhere. If anybody else calls the plays, they might go somewhere. Might. I mean, that's the offensive line still is is a is going to be the key to on the field. But Matt Nagy's ego has been the the and stubbornness has been the issue this whole time. We all know that the Bears could be good. Very good. But part of this was Matt Nagy's ego, part of this was Ryan Pace uh neglecting the offensive line for as many years as he's been the GM, and part of this has been the fact that the offensive line has been garbage. You know, they got rid of Kyle Fuller this year. You think they couldn't have kept him if, you know, if they got rid of Jimmy Graham. I mean, Jimmy Graham has been on the field for, I think it's 45 plays this whole year. The whole year. They haven't used him. Cole Komet, been underused, underutilized. I mean, at some point, you have to start looking, you know, while everybody's saying, hey, Matt Nagy could be fired if the Bears lose to to the Lions in week four. Okay. But who's the guy who built all this? Who's the guy who hired Nagy? That's Ryan Pace. This has been an unwatchable piece of garbage team that we have been suffering through as Bears fans for far too long. And if the guy who built it is safe, then at some point we need to boycott and just, you know, start looking for for something else to do on Sundays because I don't want to keep watching this garbage on my floor every single day. At some point, somebody's got to clean up. It's time to hold people accountable from Ted Phillips on down because you can't hold the owner accountable the owner just owns the team yeah when the lions fans think that the mvp of the bears is ryan pace you've got a problem yeah look uh, the one thing i will interject with i think all bears fans know that matt nagy is not the solution at head coach and at some point in time that that will happen and will change and i've i've kind of come around to what scott has been saying in terms of for ryan pace's 
I don't think he's going to be the GM for the Bears for much longer because you look at when you hire two head coaches, you hire or you draft two quarterbacks. Normally at that point in time, you're you're gone. The one difference that I'll say in terms of where the Bears are going versus where the lines are going, you go nowhere if you don't have a, a quarterback. And at the end of the day, we don't know what the next couple of seasons are going to be like in college. You only have to watch the you only have to watch this season to say there's a lot of up and down performances from the as you would say top ranked quarterbacks for this draft. That if I was a team that's going to be picking high in the draft and I was hoping to get a quarterback, this probably is not the best year for that to happen. This is why I said last year, even though it didn't fit the Bears kind of time scale. When you have guys like Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, who are kind of the guys I was kind of pinpointing going into last season, and then you've obviously Mac Jones has done quite well, and Zach Wilson kind of moved up. When you have the chance to go and get one of those guys, it doesn't matter what state your team is, you go get them because unless you have a guy that is a franchise quarterback or actually has the ability to be a franchise quarterback, it doesn't matter what else you have, you're going nowhere. Like, just look at the teams that win the Super Bowl every single year. The majority of them have a good quarterback. Yes, you need defense to be able to finish that. You look at it last year with the Bucs being able to bring in. But do you really think that the Bucs are going to be in the Super Bowl if they don't have Tom Brady? Hell no. That's that's the difference. And until you get that guy, you have no chance. So getting guys like Penesio is brilliant because you need a left tackle. You can go and get a a high-ranking defensive player, that's really good because you need to be able to sack the quarterback. But unless your quarterback is good, you ain't winning shit. And that's what the Bears have done now where they put themselves in a position where now it's the job of the GM to now put pieces around that quarterback that can help him be successful. Now, can Ryan Pace do that? That The jury's still out there. But then also you have to think of, is the head coach good enough to be able to develop them? And I think we're all seeing that as no, but it only takes you being able, if you can hire a head coach that actually can get the best out of Justin Fields, which I think we can all agree, it's not that fucking hard to be able to do. Like we all know exactly how to get the best out of a, a guy like Justin Fields. You, you could hire pretty much anybody in this coaching carousel coming up, and I would be happy, whether it's Brian Dayball, whether you get one of the guys in college. I mentioned that if you if you really wanted to go big and spend a lot of money and try and get Ryan Day from Ohio State, who knows exactly what how to fucking use Justin Fields, you can go do that. But at the end of the day, the whole thing is this isn't going to get any better with the current regime. It's not going to get better with Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. One of them, if not both of them, will be gone at the end of the season. And it pisses me off to have to go through this all the fucking time with the Bears because we shouldn't have to deal with incompetence, negligence, which we've had to speak about over the last couple of weeks. We've had enough of that. You finally have, I think it was on the Waddle and Sylvie show this week where Sylvie was talking about how the one positive that people had going into the season was Justin Fields. And Matt Nagy ruined that in one quarter. And that's the problem that we have going forward now. Scott, you, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, yeah. You, you, <laughs> you, think, you think it was one full quarter? He ruined that in like two two series. Like that was yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> what, what I'm going to do at this point is uh, is, uh, is move along because I think uh, so. A couple of folk are going to burst a blood vessel in this uh, <laughs> in this chat. So, what I want to go, we spoke about it briefly before, just looking at the two offenses. But I wanted to do something a wee bit interesting this week, and I wanted to look at pretty much where the two um, major threats are coming from from each team uh, in terms of the the running back situation. Um, Obviously, the Bears, you know, we know their main threat is, is at the moment anyway, is David Montgomery. That's where we've had the most success um, for the Lions, Swift. Um, the Lions have been forced to be a bit one-dimensional because of the way the games have went um, this, this season so far. So um, they've not really got to use Swift just as much, but he's still been very impactful, um, as, as you would expect. So what I want to do is, is I want to take a couple of guys here um, so, Noel, I want to give you a minute, and I want you to, um, in that minute, uh, pitch to me why David Montgomery is the better option at running back than Dondre Swift would be. And then after that, um, I'll come to um, Ryan, and I'll ask for your counter-argument uh, for, for Swift over Montgomery. Well, Montgomery, well, to be honest, I think Montgomery <clears throat> is starting to show that he, he is a top-class running back. I mean... His yards after forced contact are phenomenal in some games. I think in week one, he had 106 yards in total and 83 of them came after contact. I mean, that's what he's dealing with. We, I think as Bears fans, we've seen it for years. We've seen how many yards he gets after he gets hit two and three yards behind the line. Um, and I don't think people have kind of noticed it as much because obviously we're watching that a bit closer. But... I mean, I think Montgomery is a fantastic runner. He may not have that explosiveness to get away when he when he gets through, but generally he'll get through. And that's with a with a piss poor line that we've had for the last couple of years. So I mean, I think we're talking about Nagy and Laser. I think if they can change the play caller and Laser can come in and as well as use Justin Fields the way he should be used. If he can also put in place a running game, which will take the pressure off fields and will give us that that balanced attack, which I think Montgomery is more than capable of. And I think over the next couple of years, well, maybe well, this year or next year anyway, I think he's really going to show that he is a he's a tough running running back who will get you the yards if you can if you can help him out. All the better. Yeah, I, I would totally agree with, with those points. Um, we, we, we know the strengths of, uh, of David Montgomery, and you consider him where we got him in the draft as well. It's uh, it's an absolute steal. Um, but, um, but yeah, so um, coming coming on to you, Ryan, obviously, you know, we've got Dondre Swift, uh, came out of Georgia uh, last season, um, had two back-to-back -back seasons over 1,000 yards, and he had nearly 20 touchdowns over those two years as well. Um Picked 35th in the draft, so effectively, a, you know, just about a first-round pick there. Um, so a lot of expectation on Swift. So how do you feel his first year went with the Lions? Obviously, we remember uh, him in Chicago from week one of last season, uh, dropping that um, uh, game-winning well, drop, game-losing drop anyway. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Matt. Um, in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the dying seconds of that game. But how do you feel about... Uh, Swift um, coming into his second year, and uh, and also make your your case for him as well. I feel totally different about him in the second year. In the first year, those drops worried me. I worried that it could be injury prone and that he wouldn't be able to handle a professional NFL pro workload. 
that's totally changed my mind. I think we're using him better than you use Montgomery. We can get 50, 60, 70 receiving yards and passing yards. He gets touches, minimal touches, because he's now splitting with Joao Williams. So he's got more competition. So he has to work harder to stay on the field. Like I say, you don't know what he's going to do. We'll put him out in the slot. We can motion him out. We can pitch to him. And through two weeks, he was one of the leaders in forced missed tackles. He had almost nine just to his own. When you get him out in the open field, he's incredibly elusive. He's so hard to bring down because he's a small centre of gravity. He's got good balance. And I think he's now building up to that speed. He's up to the pro speed. Like you say, I was sceptical. Almost a first rounder. He's not got that size, but he's proven right now that even though he shows questionable on the injury report, he manages injuries. He's still phenomenal on the game day. He's got that explosion that we didn't know he'd have in his groin. He's showing. He's making people miss out in the open field. And the touchdowns are coming. He's hurdled two people in two weeks. He has got explosiveness. Like He has got that ability to jump. He's got power in his thighs and his quads. People underestimate him, even though he's got a small stature. I think he's going to be one of those guys up there that's becoming a super dual threat quarterback. And like I say, there are comparisons to like I say, He's got that style of Barry because he's short, he's squat, he can hit the spin move, he can juke. I think he's working his way up to a perfect partnership with Jamal Williams, who can be the hammer. He can do all the pretty dainty stuff. And I know his trust levels are growing in him more and more every week because he's getting more and more passes. The swinging them out to him is becoming a weapon on the outside that we currently don't have. Yeah, I mean, uh, I would totally agree with with uh, with some of what you said there um, in terms of you know how he's coming along, improvements from last year, etc. I think over the last couple, the the first um, few weeks of the season, he's got I think he's got like maybe a hundred rushing, hundred and twenty rushing yards over the first three weeks, um, in a in a in a touchdown in there as well. So um, yeah, I mean the guy is going to come on leaps and bounds, um, and it obviously depends if he's in the right system as well. As you say, the offensive line for the the Lions I thought have been okay. Um, I think you've you've not really given up a lot of sacks as well. I think the offensive line um, in the first uh, three games, um, I think I had a, a stat here for it, but I can't find it. But um, yeah, so they've only given up six sacks over the over the first two games, which is quite impressive, really considering um, you know the, the kind of teams that you were you were up against. So. Um, yeah, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. In terms of who won that argument there, I don't know. I think I'll probably have to lean towards no because he's my guy and, you know, I, I'll have to back him there. But if anybody else wants to come in on the back of that, the, um, please do. Yeah, sure. I, I will. In terms of just looking at the stats or about them, I'm just going to kind of focus on the rushing. So in terms of the rushing attempts, David Montgomery has more. So 46 to DeAndre Swift's um, 33. Uh, difference in yardage though again neither have been particularly impressive through the three games you look at Devin Montgomery who has 203 rushing yards while Swift has 123 um, again yards per attack Devin Montgomery 4.4 Swift 3.7 the longest rush for Devin Montgomery 41 yards this is the biggest thing for me for that kind of limits Swift um, in my opinion is that his longest has been 16 both guys have one rushing touchdown, so neither one of them have kind of said it a lot. As the lad said, they they use Jamal Williams a, a little bit more, and Swift is used in the passing game. But I think, like we've like we've kind of pointed out, 
him in the passing game, I, I don't worry too much because when you have a inside linebacker like Roquan Smith, it's it's kind of one of those guys that you you can kind of deal with a DeAndre Swift and especially if, like we said earlier in the show, if Jared Goff can't make his passes, then that puts more pressure on the Lions running game. It means that the Bears can just kind of go after it. And also, like we said, Eddie Goldman's back. You have, when he goes out, you have Kyrie's Tonga, who's been one of the more impressive players on the Bears defense this year as well. Again, there's been a lot of pressure in that front seven. And I think that it's, um, for me, I like of what I've seen from Devin Montgomery in small doses, considering the offense hasn't worked in two of the three games. And yet he's had a little bit of production where he's got over 200 yards and a touchdown and looked pre- looked like our only attacking threat in that first game, really, against the Rams. So I would expect Devin Montgomery to have a pretty good game against the Detroit Lions. He usually plays quite well against them, so I would be fairly confident that we should see the good side of Devin Montgomery in, in this game. I think, you know, one of the things that we have to look at, and Karen, you, you mentioned it a, a, just slightly, is really the offensive line play of, of both teams. Um, you know, David Montgomery in this offense, for him to have gotten over 200 yards rushing with that offensive line, that's like, like for others, they would have gotten, you know, 400 by, by this point in a decent offensive line. Um or in a decent, decent offensive game plan. Uh, I think that's where, like, I know we we have, and I don't want to say tempered enthusiasm. It's more like excited pessimism. That's probably the best way to put this. Uh, we want this team to be a lot better than it is. The unfortunate part is we keep expecting things to change from week to week. And unfortunately, they're just not. And I like I'm. I don't want to say this is Juan Castillo's fault. Part of it probably is Juan Castillo's fault, but it's not his fault that Matt Nagy is only calling David Montgomery's number ten times in a game. That's what happened last game. Uh, it's not Juan Castillo's fault that you know the other team sends eight, and he's only got five into block, and Justin Fields or Andy Dalton. You know, you have nowhere to go in that in those kinds of situations. At some point, really, you have to look at if this offense was run with any sort of, I don't know, intelligence, would this have been a lot different? And I think you have to answer yes. Look, DeAndre Swift is, I think he's shown he's showing some growth from last season. I think he was real ticked off that's i'm gonna you know i'm not gonna be like karen and curse every like five minutes uh so (laughs) i love you karen hey um but i i think he's i think he was really ticked off about dropping that one pass in week one of last year and really since then yeah he's had a couple he had a couple rookie mistakes but since then he's actually been pretty decent i think you know and the fact that he's being used a lot more than montgomery right now in the passing game I would expect the the Lions to run a lot of what the Browns ran against the Bears last week. I think you're going to see DeAndre Swift and and Jamal Williams catching probably five to six passes each. And if that happens with the way that the the, the Bears played those screens late in the the game against the Browns, 
the Bears could get gashed, and it's going to be sick. The Bears' best defense may have to be their offense this this week. And if it's Matt Nagy running the show, don't say do that, man. That? Come on, I'm just come I'm on. Just being honest, do you trust it? I'm feeling Hell you're no. the trainee, man. <laughs> just on on David Montgomery, I think the thing for me is you talk about ceiling and floor, and Montgomery's longest rush. Kieran said was was 41 yards and then he talked about the average being 4.4 to 3.7 well I really like my running backs having a really high floor when I need 7 yards I want you to get 8 and when I want 10 yards I want you to get 12 reliably and if you can have the home run hitting aspect of that that's great but if I take away Montgomery's 41 yard rush on his 46 attempts that one rush your average drops below Swifts. Like, yeah, but uh, the one thing I would say different to that is David Montgomery has gets more yards after contact than Swift does. So if you're looking for someone to get that first down, David Montgomery is a guy that can get tackled out. Maybe he's right at the line of scrimmage and then push for another three or four yards. That's what we. That's what's good about him as well. I, I guess I, I would say that that's true of the history prior to this season. As Ryan highlighted, the force missed tackles of Swift so far this season is that he is one of the league leaders in that aspect. So I'm not going to claim over three games that Swift is one of the best guys in this aspect. That's mad. But I will say that he's doing okay in that right now, and that might not continue. But but I'd say that he is vastly improving in that aspect. Montgomery's a much better pass blocker. That is one aspect I will highlight very, very much, is that Montgomery is excellent at protecting his quarterback and given what the Bears O-line is like that is a fundamental part of what you've got to do Montgomery's got to be on the field to protect whoever's a quarterback never mind his rushing aspect Swift is not good at protecting his QB and that's why we like splitting him out so much because we don't want him anywhere near our quarterback and our O-line is good enough to protect against that it's a top 10 O-line in this league and it's been proving that so far. There's been a couple of iffy moments here and there. Matt Nelson, first couple of games, not so good on that right tackle spot, covering for Taylor Decker. But you know what? Swift's better in the past game, I think, probably. I think he's proven that over his first couple of years. But it's close. And in the running game, Montgomery's probably better. And he's shown that consistently over the last couple of years. But I think Swift's closing that gap. Big difference for me is the pass blocking aspect of it and i think montgomery edges it just on that look let's 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 really face facts it doesn't matter about you know swift or montgomery what really matters is chicago deep dish pizza is going to crush detroit pizza week in week out it don't matter that's what the real deal is now it really is pizza in detroit yeah, it's weak, man. Seriously. Yeah. Come on now. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna move along. Um just before we do, just a reminder, anybody who is not watching on YouTube, if you're watching on um another platform, make sure you go over onto YouTube, uh like, subscribe to the show, get your comments in the chat. A reminder, we're gonna be taking questions towards the end, um, and also get your predictions and your bold predictions in for uh Sunday. Just in terms of the offense, then um uh, and Scott, I'll just come at you just since you were you were chatting there. Um, the looking at the the Lions uh, passing game, I think they're ranked some twenty fifth in the league. You know, relative, relatively low down. Whereas the Bears' pass defense is actually 
ranked ninth. Um, you know, and you, you you're kind of stunned by that, considering the way our defensive back situation uh, is and and was going into the start of the season. Um, so I'm I'm curious as to to how you think the Bears um, are going to hold up against Goff um, and. Um, I th- I think the question that you're going to end up having to the receiving to ask unit. Here, that... Oh. Sorry, uh, I, I, I he dropped out to, for for me. Did he drop yeah, out for the too. rest? Of yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah all right, so you all dropped out there. It was really weird. <laughs> you know, oh yeah, oh, yeah. It, was, it was all the rest oh, of us. That was all the, us. Yeah, <laughs> we did it. We I'm did. Maggie it. man, it was all you guys. It's nothing to do with me. <laughs> it was it, no, actually. Let uh, let's face facts. Really, the guy who who screwed this up, Matt Nagy. Uh, he's gonna yes. be. You know, I, I think that's really the the whole the whole thing is that's why you dropped out, Tony. Uh, Matt Nagy and his disconnected uh, internet and brain, it all did it. So he runs everything. Um, No, okay. So I think to answer your question, isn't necessarily about the Lions passing offense against the Bears passing defense. I think, uh, you know, the Bears pass defense is ranked ninth in the league right now. The Lions pass offense is 25th in the league. It's more about how they utilize really the pass. I think in this instance, like I said, they're gonna. The Lions should be looking to replicate what the Browns did in the second half of the Bears game. Bunch of screens. You didn't. You don't have to go too crazy. And I think Swift, you know, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams each can do very well uh, by running those screens. You have T.J. Hawkinson, who knows how to run a route. Uh, one of the great. You know, he's basically the latest in the great line of Iowa tight ends that have really come and succeeded in the NFL. That's who you really want to worry about. But I think in terms of unit versus unit, big thing's going to be the Lions run offense against the Bears run defense. Uh, Lions run offense is 11th in the league. We've mentioned uh, Swift and, and Jamal Williams, and that's pretty much most of what you're going to see uh, against the Bears who are supposed to be getting – Eddie Goldman and his aching wallet back because uh, that's what he's been resting. It really hasn't been much else. I mean, I know they said his knee, but let's face it. Really, his wallet was suffering after uh, last season dropping out due to COVID. Um, is Eddie Goldman going to make that big of a difference? I don't know. I don't know. He could, but is he going to have to shake off the rust? Because, I mean, he hasn't had any competitive uh, plays since two years ago. That's a lot of rust you're going to have to shake off in literally seven days. So I don't know. I just, I, I think with the way that the Lions offensive line is constructed and the way that they use DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. And, you know, I believe the Lions are, I think one of two teams in the league that actually has a fullback, like a real fullback. What's, What's that? Right. That's, you know, that's, but that I think what it, when you look at things, we look at how the the team is constructed. That is in Dan Campbell's image. He was always a rough and tough guy that didn't care if you know he would have worn you know the Jim Otto helmet with the big you know with the you know the center with the with the uh, that was the just big a fit U the, right here. That would have been the Dan Campbell. In there. Well, he was... he probably would have he probably would have had you know those hats that have like the the two beers right here and the straws the goofy straws that come in he would have coffee 
uh, or motor oil. It's one of the two. Uh, but I think, you know, when you look at the way this offense is, and hiring Anthony Lynn was a really good move for the Detroit Lions. I'll give them a lot of credit. I think that, that that's where you're going to have to – that's going to be the meat of this game. Matt Nagy's disconnected brain and the Lions' rushing, rushing offense versus the Bears' rushing defense. That's, that's what I think I'd be worried about. All right, everybody, good. Yeah, there's, good there's, there's a few good interesting you – know, <laughs> there's a few interesting matchups in there. You know, obviously we're talking about the Bears' defense being ranked third in sacks at the minute. Um, but then the Lions offensive line only given up six over a couple of weeks, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how that plays off against each other. The one thing I'm interested in, though, is is the Bears offense versus the, the Lions defense in terms of the pass, because both of them are actually ranked 31st, 31st for Bears passing offense and 31st for Lions pass defense. So for me, that is like two kind of shit scenarios which could eventually effectively lead to a lot of points or no points at all. It's really, really hard to predict. Um, Matt, what, what are your thoughts on, on that kind of situation? The Lions defensive line need to stop whoever's passing, passing. Because this, the, our DB rumors I highlighted before, we've got a couple of UDFAs starting in this team. It is not a good situation. And yeah, they're surprising us by playing okay. But that's the benchmark, right? Like, We've got AJ Parker, who is our starting nickel corner. He came as a UDFA this season. He was playing on the outside. And during training camp, he got burned twice in a week for touchdowns on the outside. And we were like, oh, well, that's a bust, but we'll move on. It's only UDFA. No one cares. And he got shoved inside. And suddenly, Nicole Robbie Coleman's gone as the starting nickel corner because this guy's better. Like, you, you shoved him inside, and suddenly he was one of the top-ranked nickel corners during preseason and that doesn't happen by accident i don't really know what's happened but he's just much better there um in terms of facing off against guys he's he's explosive he's pretty cerebral and he's done really well there but he's a udfa for a reason and bobby price is now starting as our cb2 alongside amani or a warrior and um he's a udfa from 2020 He's got a RAS of 9.98, so supremely athletic. But guys like that lack football intelligence. That's why they're down there. And this guy will get burned over the top, but he will catch up to you 30 yards downfield. And that's okay. Like, he's not giving up a touchdown very often, but he's also giving up big plays. So, you know, you saw that with Marquise Brown. He just couldn't catch a ball. So he's learning. Price is getting there. And I'm a big price guy because I love athleticism i'm a big kind of braz fan just because you know what really smart guys can't get fast but you, you fast guys can get smart at least in a football sense so but but my big problem is amani or awarie rcb1 is mildly athletic kind of okay but as a cb1 like the guys are cb4 in a good team he he shouldn't be anywhere near the starting lineup in a good team he constantly gets burned in coverage. It's it's a disgrace. And in uh, safety, like Tracy Walker is okay. He's He's been done a massive disservice by Matt Patricia by being played out of position for a couple of years. Because 
in his rookie season, he was one of the best free safeties in football. Like, he came in and he was an absolute revelation. And then Patricia comes along and goes, ooh, we think he'd be good in the box. And he was awful. And then he played him again in the box. And it's like, what are you doing? But he's been scarred by that. And he's kind of come in now as free safety again. And he's started playing okay. But next to him is Will Harris. And I mean, he's started playing a little bit better. But a little bit better than not a football player. Like, this guy should not be on a practice squad over the past two seasons because he's been that bad. And now suddenly he's looking like a semi-competent player. And that is the DB room we're dealing with. Our CB1 is a guy who was a CB4 in a championship side. Our CB2 is a UDFA learning the game. Our nickel corner beat out a guy who was crap at the Eagles last year. And our strong safety shouldn't have been on an NFL team last year. But if the Bears can't throw the ball to Alan Robinson... Is that a problem? Uh, uh, Matt, let me let me just uh, just drop in real quick. Um, I don't know if you know this, but Matt Nagy is also learning the game. Um, so <laughs> anything can go. Uh, the, the one thing I will uh, say, though, is the Bears should – look, if Justin Fields is, is playing, which I'm assuming he's going to be starting, and Matt Nagy is being a douche right now, I'm not, I'm not kind of saying anything – like, Alan Robinson will be able to torch pretty much any of those DBs if he gets put. Kind of, if they play man on Alan Robinson, I I fear for I fear for the lines because that's what he will be able to get off. It's what he's been kind of pressed with doing. If the lines can't get to Justin Fields, um, the way the Browns were, they're going to be in trouble. Like, it's no surprise that Mitch Trubisky was able to beat the lines every single time he played them. Like, and I think Chase Daniel as well when he played for we played for the Bears. So I don't. This is always in one game that I earmarked that I don't see the Bears' offense struggling in because you can kind of get around if there's a pretty decent kind of pass rush because look, the Lions have had some good pass rushers before come up against you. All you need to do is if especially if it is Bill Lazor that will be calling plays because I feel like he has more rhythm, let's say, than Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy's play calling are very – they're all isolated plays from one another. He doesn't set – he doesn't call one play to set up another one later on in the game. Well, that's what I did see Bill Lazor do towards the end of the season last year. And so if he is the play caller, I can see the Bears having a pretty successful day if they can – look, the first – Literally, the first offensive play I want to see is a bomb by Justin Fields. And just go for it, put pressure on the lines. I don't care if it's intercepted. You need, a, you need to show that you're going to throw the ball and you're going to go at the DBs because you have to trust your defense will be able to hold on from this line's offense. And if that's the case, you just got to go for it. Stop playing scared. Stop playing passive. Be aggressive, especially when, as Matt says, you're going against a defensive backfield that, really isn't that good that if you're a number one wide receiver in Allen Robinson or somebody that wants to kind of elevate to the next level in Darnell Mooney, you need to be getting open against the lines because we've said for the last couple of months how disappointed we were in guys like Anthony Miller. And Anthony Miller was able to scorch the lines over the last couple of seasons. So for me, I feel like the game plan has to be to take 
advantage of those weaknesses in the Lions defense, which it's a big one. We we see it ourselves. If we didn't have kind of Jalen Johnson there, and I know people kind of say Eddie Jackson's a big name, but he hasn't played well, so we can't really talk about him. But Jalen Johnson has looked legit, but we have a lot of questions in that defensive backfield as well. But I feel like even just as Matt rattled off some of those names, like when there's guys that like I pay quite close attention to a lot of the UDFAs and all that sort of stuff. And I didn't recognize some of those names. <laughs> and that, that tells you a lot when it comes to kind of the Lions defense. I think if the O-line is competent, so if we see the performance we saw against Bengals in terms of O-line, Bears win the football game. And it's simple as if they're just not terrible, I think the Bears have enough to be able to score points against the Lions defense. And I think the line, I haven't seen enough of the Lions offense to really prove it, that they'll be able to do the same on the Bears defense. Because you have to go back. While people will say, obviously, the last kick of the game last week, as as we kind of saw, Marquise Brown basically dropped three touchdowns in that game. Like, if you, any other team, if they have, if he has any sorts of hands in that game, game's over by the time it hits that kind of third quarter. And that's what the Bears need to do is if they have opportunities, they just need to capitalize. Just be sound offensively. It's kind of what Scott said earlier. You don't have to be this elaborate offense. Do the basics right. If you do the basics right, you win this football game. The problem is, when Matt Nagy calls the plays, they don't even do the basics. And that's where the Bears kind of fall back. So I think we put out this tweet um, today was if we'll know within the first two or three plays, if it's Matt Nagy or if it's Bill Lazor calling the offense. And hopefully it is not Matt Nagy because then we'll actually see some semblance of an offense and can actually enjoy the game for once. You know, here's, I, I'm not saying I, I, I agree or disagree with any, with what, anything that anybody has said here, but I think there's a, a big question that we have to answer. And unfortunately, like, I know I'm going to have to go, uh, fairly soon because I do have uh, uh, something I do have to do. But I think it's a question that we all need to to ask ourselves. Here's a funny thing. The Lions are 0-3, but this feels like a must-win game for the Chicago Bears. So I'm, I want to ask everybody, is this a must-win game for the Chicago Bears? I th- well, for me personally, I would absolutely say it's a must-win game for the Chicago Bears. Even more importantly, it's a must-win game for Matt Nagy because if the if the the rumors are to be uh, proven true, then if he does not win on Sunday, um, then he's he's probably gone. Um, you know, I think eventually he's going to be gone anyway. But I think you know, and the thing is, people can say it's overreacting, but it's not. This has been going on for far too long uh, for it for it to be called an overreaction anymore. We're fed up with the same shit every year. Nothing ever changes. It's just a total shit show, the whole thing. And I don't want to be one of those teams. I, I, I was talking to Kieran before we started today, and I said, you know what? See, my mates, they're Falcons fans, they're Seahawks fans, they're Patriots fans, they're Ravens fans. They've all been to the Super Bowl in the last 10 years, and I've had to sit with them, watching them in the Super Bowl for the last 10 years, and I'm sick fed up of it. So... 
Um, sorry, I'm getting off on a rant and I forgot what the original question was. But yeah, <laughs> the Lions, for me, the Lions need to need to lose this game. The Bears need to win this game. For us, it's must win. For the Lions, I don't think it's must win. Oh, yeah, they I, lose I, every I, week, so it's fine. No, do you want to go? <laughs> yeah, if, no, I, I if agree someone with else Tony. has a. <laughs> no, I agree with Tony. I, I think it's a must-win for the Bears. It's it's a division game. You want to, you know, get a win in division. I mean, as you mentioned earlier, Kieran, if the Bears lose this, Jesus, there could be a run of defeats then all the way till Pittsburgh, and then you're really looking at a, a nasty record. And I think for Justin Fields, I mean, that was such a disastrous debut for him to start last week that it's important for him to get out there and, and get a bit of confidence and complete a few passes and, and not get hit. Um, where I do think, though, I, I, I don't think I don't think Nagy is gone if we lose. I'll say that. I know the rumors are out there. I think without question he's gone next season now. I, I don't even think he, he's coming back for that. Yeah. And pace, I, I don't know. It's questionable on him. Um, but I still think no matter what happens this weekend, Nagy will be here. Hope, touch wood. Hopefully, I'm wrong. If we do lose, hopefully he's gone. But yeah, I think this is I think this is a massive game for the Bears because it's it's that kind of crossroads where if you lose this, things could just snowball really, really badly for this team. And then, as you said earlier, Kieran, heads start to drop. Then and then that's it. It's it's game over. So yeah, big one. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, but you know, I think this is. And must win, not so much that it's like you have to win because you can't go, you can't go whatever it is, one and three and try and make playoffs or anything like that. This team's not gone to the playoffs. I think it's more than just one game because of how ugly last week was. I think if the Bears played well last week against the Browns, lost the game, I don't think we'd be here sitting saying this is a must win. I'd say you'd expect to win if you lose. It is what it is. If you see Justin Fields do quite well, then it's it's fine. But the fact that it was so bad last week and the pressure has been ramped up so much on Matt Nagy and the coaching staff and really the entire organization, um, I think that's what makes it a must win. Because if you go through it, we went through with the Browns last week where it was an embarrassing defeat and every national media is, is talking about it to then go and lose to a Lions team that's 0-3 that, well, has played quite well in terms of the talent on the two teams are an inferior team. I think that just ramps up the pressure even more. And you may see some guys lose their heads earlier than you, we would normally expect. Um, but to kind of go on Scott's question, I want to ask the two lads because they're because starting off 0-3, regardless of playing well, um, what would – what would it be like in, I guess, the difference between winning and losing this football game for you guys? Uh, I'll start. This There's no pressure on the Lions at all. There aren't any must-win games this year for me. All the pressure is on Chicago. You have to win. If you lose, I think Nagy is a goner. If we lose, we, when the fixtures came out, the money lines at the start, we were underdogs in every game of the season. There's no game we're expected to win this year which means we can play with freedom. Last year, I mean, last week, we, we tried a random flea flicker. That's how much freedom we can play with. It could have gone disastrously wrong, and it should have done, but we got away with one. That shows how much we're trying to just enjoy the football. I think all the pressure is on you to win. And I think, like I said, that is something that's going to be always in the back of your mind next week. I think 
he will be gone. Nagy, if you lose, you must win next week, this week. Yeah, I, I completely agree with Ryan. Um, at the end of the day, if it depends what you think about what the outside pressure is like versus what the inside pressure is like, because the outside pressure is going to say, the Lions are bad, the Lions are in 3 the Bears must win this game. Oh, the Bears have lost the game. The Bears must be really bad. And I think that's unfair considering that we've played San Francisco, Green Bay, and Baltimore. Like, this is not your typical 0-3 team. And I think everyone's come away thinking, wow, that side's been in a war and this Lions team is plucky. I think I've heard that several times from national media now with with guys realizing that this Lions team has actually something to it. So I think that it's a really lazy take to say that the Bears must win this game. And yet that is exactly what the national media is going to say. And that's the sort of pressure which will fire a coach. So it is a must-win game for the Bears, but not because it should be, but because the outside pressure is just going to be so great this, this week. Yeah, that's a fair point, man. Uh, I, I totally take that on board. The, the media obviously have made a lot of, of what's happened over the last week. We've seen God knows how many tape breakdowns on Twitter from various different people, um, you know, pointing out, you know, this is why a sack happened here, this is why a sack happened there. You know, the majority of it was to do with the fact that the scheme was wrong, the offensive line were wrong. But there were also situations where um, Fields um, didn't get the ball out um, quick enough or maybe didn't see something. But that's inevitably going to happen with a young rookie QB anyway. Um, he is going to miss things. But that wasn't the main issue. That was, wasn't was even the second biggest issue. You know, it was um, it was the O-line and, and the offense. And the, the fact that it's been, it's been magnified so much is because of that net yardage, um, of that, you know, just total dominance of that uh, Browns D-line. Um, and it, it's really kind of bringing a lot of things home for, for the Bears and where they are. And, you know, this is now the fourth season with Nagy, you know, and you could argue that it is overreaction, but it's not because it's been four years now. Um, so for me, it is must win. Totally, I get what you're saying there, Matt. But uh, for me, it's absolutely must win uh, regardless. What I want to do is um, just uh, before we um, we go on to our kind of predictions, um, just a reminder, everybody, get the predictions in the comments. Uh, get your questions in there as well. We'll do a kind of question session at the end if there's anything in the chat. Uh, that you guys want to ask the um, Matt and Ryan uh, in regards to the Lions or anything, or or us three usual suspects in regards to the Bears. Um, so moving on to what we kind of think is going to happen in the game. Um, I'll come to you first, Noel. Um, Ball prediction, uh, <laughs> which really could be anything this week. <laughs> it really uh, the best score. <laughs> <laughs> Chances, Kieran, you've ruined it now. Thanks. Very, very bold. So, yeah, bold prediction in the game prediction. Noel hates this part. <laughs> no, I'm going to, you know, like any Bears fan, I'm so upset with the secondary at the moment, but I'm going to go Eddie Jackson to, to get his pick six this weekend. I don't know why. I just have a feeling. I think we're going to get a lot of pressure up front, and I think he, he'll benefit from it. I'm, I'm flowing between 17-13 and 20-13 to the Bears, so... I'll be optimistic and I'll go 20. Let's go crazy. Okay. 
fair enough, fair enough. Um, I'll come to you, Ryan. What would your uh, ball prediction be there? My ball prediction is your O-line can't handle our D-line. I think we're going to have Fields running for his life. Anytime Montgomery misses a block, someone's going to powerbomb him. We're going to have at least three, four sacks. Aquara's going to have one and a half. And I think we're, it's going to be a low-scoring game. This is going to be a 17-13, Hawkinson 100 yards plus. <laughs> it's funny you say that. I think I actually seen one of the one of the kind of professional pundits online earlier on say it was going to be a a ten seven game or something like that. So um, you know you might be right. It's one of those ones where I'm not sure. I think it could either be high scoring or low scoring. It's so hard to predict. Um, Kieran, what be yourself? What would be your uh, your ball prediction and then your scoreline prediction? Yeah, the ball prediction I think is was going to be part of my scoreline prediction because I actually think it's going to be a high-scoring game because I think you're going to have two teams that are just going to have to flat-out go for it. I think with the Bears, they they know that they have to score because there's so much pressure on them. Um, you look at previous meetings from last season and it wasn't the slugfest that we kind of saw that we maybe expected where I think the Lions kind of shot out in front um, against the Bears in week one last year. Bears are able to come back. I think I'm go- I'm just going to go with a 30 to 28 Bears victory. I don't know how the Bears are going to get 30 points, but there we go. Um, So that's, ca- that's kind of where I'm at now. The bold part of it, I think Cole Komet gets two touchdowns. That is very bold, considering the way we've been utilising our tight ends recently. So exactly, or, or not utilising them rather. So fair enough, fair enough. Um, okay, so uh, Matt, yourself then, bold prediction and a scoreline prediction. I think that the over under is almost double what it should be. Um, I really think that. So I kind of stealing from from what you just said, but it was always in my mind. I I can see. 14 13 13 10s 13 7 like it just sounds like that to me so much i would be setting the over under at 28 points and i would be torn as to where to go with that i really would um i think that tj hawkinson is going to be the difference in the game uh you feet you've had one tight end worth of salt in in the la rams come against you and he had a fairly good game and, and hawkinson is better so I can see 100 yards and a touchdown for Hawk, and I think it's going to be a 13-10 Lions win. So again, very, very close one there. Uh, I think that's the kind of general thought uh, with everybody that's going to be close regardless of which way it goes. Um, for me personally, um, again, as I say, there's, there's so many interesting matchups um, here. Um, I think the fact, you know, we're talking about the pass offense of the Bears and the pass defense of the Lions being, being as bad as each other. Um, I think as well, you're talking about the Bears' run offense. Um, you know, they've managed to get over 100 yards every week, apart from last week, um, whereas the Lions' run defense has given up pretty much on about 100 yards or over um, every week. Um, I think uh, week two, you had 96 yards or something, I think you gave up. So um, it's it's interesting to see what happens here. I think the the Bears did shut down the run game in the first two games, um, they looked like they gave up a lot last week, um, but that again was the result of kind of poor offense. So we gave up a lot of those yards. 
towards the end of the third quarter and the fourth quarter when you know they were they were gassed at that point and it was always going to be difficult to to kind of keep it going um so i think it kind of there's a lot of things here that skew these figures um you know one or two things that happen one or two big plays that happen in a game um having eddie goldman back obviously is something that i'm interested in seeing um you know we don't know how he's going to look scott mentioned earlier on you know he's not played since 2019 so but again he's he's adding to us a, a, a unit there which is pretty stout to begin with anyway so even if he doesn't contribute too much i still think a run defense can be can be successful and then you've got roquan smith in there he's the he's the main man in that that defense for me um outside of the guys like Khalil Mack and the key mix uh, it's, it's all about Roquan Smith and, and that's the way he's going to be moving forward so for me um I'm going with uh um Bears 20 uh Lions 10 um I just don't think the Lions are going to score a lot of points on us I think they're too one-dimensional for me um and I think that's going to show up um but yeah, I mean, it could go either way. But my bold prediction was uh, Justin Fields scores two touchdowns. Um, I don't know how he's going to score them. He could be running, he could be throwing, uh, but he's going to score two touchdowns anyway. Um, He'll throw it to himself. And uh, if he can play cornerback as well, then that'd be that'd be fantastic. <laughs> he's going to have to. He's going to have to. He's going to block for himself as well. So anyway, um, that's uh, that's the way that um, that I think is going to go. But um, just looking through the comments on here don't think there's any questions just last opportunity if anyone's got any questions they want to ask then get them in just while we're waiting for people to do that though uh ryan matt do you guys want to tell the, the viewers where we can find your your stuff on twitter and what you're doing just now as well yeah so uh you can find us um as roar of the lions on twitch twitter facebook instagram youtube uh some variant of rotl UK will will find you there. We do two podcasts a week, Monday and Thursday, review, preview pods. And also Ryan and one of our co-hosts, Ant, has actually started doing their own college football podcast, looking at specifically what the Lions needs are and having a look through the college football season to try and find some hidden gems before the draft. So that's every Wednesday. Um, there were meant to be 40-minute episodes, but they've turned into two hours every week because there's 400 games in college every week and uh you know it's kind of fun actually i've been learning a lot about that so so go and check that out i'm actually writing my preview article now for um this game which will probably drop tomorrow so that's going to be an interesting one it's such a close game and i just can't wait to to see what happens you know both teams are not great but the divisional matchups are what you live for right this is the the grudge match you know you go and watch a game with a couple of your mates from the other team, have a few beers, have a laugh and, and go home and try not to punch each other. And I can't yeah. wait. It's going to be great. So thank you so much for having us on. It's been excellent. Yeah, no, it's been an absolute pleasure having you guys on and uh, hopefully we can maybe speak to you again at some point later on this season or, or, or next season. That's the, the beauty of us guys meeting up twice a year anyway. So we can always, uh, we can always uh, exchange again. Um, just a reminder to everybody as well, we're going to be back um, after the directly after the game uh, for a post-game show 
on Sunday, so make sure that you join in. There's no doubt going to be an interesting one. Either we're all going to be having a meltdown because we've fucked it up again, or we're going to be uh, kind of celebrating loosely because it's bought Nagy some more time. So we'll wait and see what happens at the back of that. Um, but um, it's been uh, a pleasure having everybody on. Uh, Noel, Kieran, thank you very much. Uh, Scott has disappeared, uh, but thank you very much, Scott, wherever you are. Uh, and again, uh, Ryan and Matt, thanks very much for you guys joining. Um, so uh, as I say, make sure you make sure you get on uh, on Sunday after the game, get your comments in, make sure you like and subscribe to the channel. Um, and until next time, all we can say is bear down. Bear down. Bear down. Bear down.